Well, so good to have you all out here on this this Father's Day. And in just a little bit, we're going to get into some things, put a little heads up on, on Facebook. Before we do that, though, I wanted to read to you a scripture. And I'll bet many of you may remember this scripture, but it's not one of the scriptures that we go to a whole lot. And it comes from 2 Kings chapter 2. Verse 23, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. We're going to read verse 23 and 24. This is speaking of Elisha, who of course was the prophet in the northern areas after Elijah had passed on the ministry to him. And he had just gone from a place and had one miracle that was performed. And as he was leaving there, it says, Then he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him. And said to him, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Now it said some youths, we don't know what the total number of youths were. We don't even know that 42 is the total number. We do know that 42 of them got mauled by the by the bear. Two female bears. For some reason, it was important to say female. Maybe they were protecting their young. You know, bears can get pretty nasty when they, when they protect their, their young, their little ones. And uh, that may be why it's emphasized on that one. Don't really have any other wisdom <laughs> that I've gained on the, on the why that is. But this is again in the Northern Territory. In the Northern Territory, they don't respect God. They didn't respect the ministry of Elijah. They had no respect for the, the temple, the law, the things of God. They erected idols. They had gone all these different directions, bad directions and things that they uh, shouldn't have followed. So we have to understand that the people that are here are not God-fearing. Most of the God-fearing people already left the place and went on down south into the neighboring area of Judah. And they had a, a good mix of uh, all the 12 tribes down there. But what I want to call your attention to is uh, from the time when I was young reading through the Bible, this is one of those, one of those uh, lessons that jumped out at me. And that is to be very careful of the words that I use in particular, for ministers. Now, what's interesting in this one is we don't really have this example followed by other people. Paul had people who came out and said things against him, and, and he just kind of let it go. And Jesus had people that came out and said things against him. And, and sometimes Paul or Jesus, you know, they would, uh, they, would, they would rebuttal some. But we don't really have anybody putting a... This, this kind of thing on it. When he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. So, the validity of him doing this, putting a curse on someone in the name of the Lord, is kind of validated by the fact that they didn't get very far before 42 of them were mauled by, by, by use. Now, I, I don't know if you think about this, but you know, I always try and put myself in the position of this. If I'm one of the use, let's just say, I'm just gonna grab a number out of the, out of a, out of the sky. This is not authoritative at all. But say that there was a hundred of them there. A hundred use. 
and the bears got 42. Now it said mauled them. I don't know if it killed them or if it just hurt them. Um, could very well have, have killed them. Bear gets a hold of you. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty tough. But um, I'm thinking there's two bears. 42 of them didn't get away. So that means the bear's mauling one or two over here and the other one's mauling one or two over here. And what are the other ones just standing around? I mean, if a bear comes out of the woods and starts mauling on your friends, I think most people run. Uh, you've, all, you've heard the story before. People say, you know, uh, if uh, bears coming out of the woods, you don't have to be faster than everybody. You just got to not be the slowest. Don't be the slow one. But I learned from this, be careful what you say. Now, I take that a, a little bit further, and I try and be careful what I say about other believers uh, completely. Now, if you're not a believer, you're not the family of God, I'm not nearly as careful. And I, I'll take that example from John the Baptist, from Paul, from Jesus, and from John, and I can go on. But these folks, they were... They were pretty, um, pretty straightforward. John the Baptist, what kind of words did he have for Herod? <laughs> he did not have very good words for him. Herod was mad with him, wanted to kill him. That's how those words were. But we have to be careful. And the reason I say all, all this is that, you know, whenever we, uh, we, we've been having this church around here for about 30 years, and we go on for all those 30 years, different passions get ignited. And we have to be careful some of the things that we, we say. Sometimes we can say some things where we're not honoring something else that somebody considers to be a, a passion of theirs. And um, if you're up on Facebook, I, I put something up that actually had been brewing in me for about two weeks. And uh, just uh, the way things had gone in the week, I just figured, no, we're just going to put this out there now. And so I wrote it up as carefully as I could and, and put it on out there. We need to be careful of how we are addressing each other. Because what we can do is we can address each other in such a way that we build up barriers. And we have to, have to be careful of those things. Um, I try and always make sure to, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it. Please don't, don't, don't thank me for that. But I do try and, and make sure that in the words that I say, I don't distance people. Unless it's what we were talking about a couple weeks ago. When Jesus said, I come to bring a sword. There are some things that you have to say that will cause division. But make sure that you are dividing on things that's the word of God and not things that are our own passions. You know, there's some things I can be pretty passionate about, but it's my own passion. It's not necessarily something that came from, from God. And um, I try and make sure that I, I curtail those things. And sometimes even up on Facebook, I only debate. I think I mentioned this to one person recently. I said, I've, I've kind of gone past what I'll do on this because I won't go back and forth with people. If I go back and forth on it, if, if, they're, not, if, if they're not seeing the things I'm saying as any kind of wisdom from God and I'm not seeing the things that they're saying as wisdom from God, all we're going to do is, is hurt each other. And so I just kind of cut it off and, and we just don't need to keep on, on going with that. So that's one of the reasons I'll, I'll do that. I don't get involved in the, in the back and forth banter for too long. Maybe, maybe two times. Usually two times is my max. Once in a while, I've gone to three. But that's pushing it for me. Down in the inside of me, I feel, I feel pushed when that, when that goes on. 
And um, I, I don't like that. I don't like to feel, feel pushed, so I just cut it off and, and don't go. But you do need to be careful. You really need to be careful. And when, this, is, this is what I got from this one when I was reading it before. I read this, and I knew I was going to be a pastor. And I said, God, I don't know if I want to defend myself that way. Now, you look at some ministers, and some ministers are out there, and if you come against them, man, they come against you with everything they've got. They'll bring you before this and that and the other thing, and they'll flatten you. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm, please, I'm not speaking to that. I'm speaking to me on, on this one. And I, I, when I read this, I remember having this conversation with God. He said, God, I don't think I want to defend myself to this, to this degree. I think I just, just let it go on. Let people say what they're going to say. Let people do what they're going to do and, and, and so forth. Um, but I'd be amiss if I didn't tell you. You do need to be careful of what you say of other ministers. You also need to be careful of what you say about Connie and I. Because if you are not... Other people are on Facebook. And you have severed your ability to minister to them. And I know most of you don't want to do that. Please be careful of what kind of things that you do. Because if it comes across to other people who don't go to the church, don't know you, but know that you're associated with it, or know that you're part of it, 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 it has a hindering effect. Now I understand my skin is plenty thick. You can say all manner of evil that you want to about me and I just go on. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. I go to God. God, if you don't rebuke me on this, I'm okay. But if somebody wakes me up to something, I go to God and God says, yeah, that's wrong. Then I'll, I'll take the rebuke. I got no problem with taking the rebuke. I'd rather get rebuked and corrected. Isn't that what Paul teaches us? Correct yourself. <laughs> I'd rather correct myself than have to get to heaven or have God have to do it later on. I don't want to do that. But... I don't know what set him off with this. I don't know what caused Elisha to, to go because certainly he's in an unfriendly country for the gospel and surely they have been unfriendly before. These are youths. They got this from their parents. There's just a bunch of youths. It's almost a mob mentality. And they're probably feeding off each other much like they did when you had the mobs with Paul, when you had the mobs with Jesus. When you had these, these kind of mobs that would get together, they feed off each other and things are, are said and then other ones picked it up. But this story just always stuck out at me. He says, he, he pronounces a curse on them and it isn't too long. And that bear comes out and gets them. Now I'm not telling you that if you speak evil against Connie or I or you speak evil against another minister that a bear's coming out of the woods to get you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's the, the case, but... Uh, if you did, if you were not up there to take a look at the little, little excerpt I put up on Facebook, recommend that you, if you can, and, and go and, and check that out. Because I don't want us to distance ourselves from being other ministers to other people, and to help, uh, to help other people. Because I know that's our heart. Because that's God's heart. I have to make sure that the things I'm passionate about don't, don't cause distance between me and other people that God wants me to get something across to them. Because I don't want to stand before my father and say, well, you were real passionate about that and it caused a split and people who I needed you to get this message to didn't get it. So we have to, 
we have to be careful about that. Now, we've had our, our uh, times with, with racial issues around our country. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like when we come together here as a church, I mean, you all remember watching Remember the Titans? One of my favorite movies. I love Remember the Titans. But one of the things I really remember about that was when they were at the camp, and you remember they were all at each other's throats. They were, they were going after each other. But the coach did some things to help bring them together. Oh, it was cool. And when they finally came together as a team, and they were enjoying each other for their strengths and what they could bring to the team, and weren't so divided on the skin issue anymore. When they finally got to that, and they were at camp, and they're all enjoying themselves, do you remember how that movie changed? When they went from the camp and got off the bus back home, I remember the uh, one of the boys. I don't. I remember which one it was. Um, <clears throat> he said, "Boy, we aren't at camp anymore." Something along those lines. You could just feel the difference that was there, because this was the energy that the people in the town were bringing. Now, this is a true story, and I always wonder how much of it is true. I'm pretty sure that that part would have been true. That they would have faced all those, all that uh, strife that was there. But this is kind of our own little, little spot to get away from that, kind of like camp was for them. And uh, I enjoy all of our differences. I enjoy our similarities. And um, it's it's important that we don't let the world influence us in this way. Love on each other. Just remember these these people. These are the folks we go to war with. Don't let distance come between you and other brothers and sisters, because they got some stuff that you're gonna you're gonna be able to glean from. Now we have discussions about things outside. We have discussions on things in the Word. I love how we all agree on things and learn from each other. Now we get on stuff outside the Word. How do you know we have some some different opinions? That's all right. See, when we have different opinions on stuff outside of that, I understand. Sometimes I'm working at a lower understanding than others are. And sometimes I'm working at a higher. And that will change it. How many of y'all know that when, you're, when your enlightenment got changed on some things, your view of that got changed? But see, if I get so stuck on, this is the way that it is, I don't allow room for illumination later on. This is one of the, the things we got into in the Ezekiel series a few weeks back. If you accept what is false as what is true, it will block you from receiving what is true. And we do. Was that not happen? No, we, re- we referred to it, I guess, on the Sunday. Because some of our folks on Wednesday night, they were trying to help us out. Help me out, because I couldn't remember all the name of the, the, uh, the movies. Was it one was West Side Story? Somebody came up with that thing. Was it Ethel or, or Nikolai? They came up. I, I knew it. I just couldn't think of the name. But, you know, they had accepted a falsehood and it caused division between the families. But then this, the, the, the boy and the girl, they released the falsehood. And things were able to flow there. And Romeo and Juliet was the same. And we've got many stories that go on about this. And, of course, we brought in the Hallmark movies. They always have that. Don't block 
the illumination that God wants to bring to you. Because it will, the only one that will hinder, the one that it will affect, is you. It'll keep you from growing. And I want to make sure that I don't distance people on something that's just my issue. So be, be careful on that. And uh, I like, I love the video I was able to, to find to put up there for that. So if you didn't, didn't uh, how many people didn't see the, the, the Facebook post? I put it up on my page and I put it up on the church page. I very seldom do that. In fact, I can't even think of the last time I did to put something up on my page and on the church page. I was trying to make sure that y'all saw it. I saw three people who saw it and they put comments up or likes or things like that. And I appreciated all those who did it. But uh, I don't know if the rest of you did or not. But uh, you can go up there and, and check that out. Don't distance yourself on an issue that's not gospel related. Jesus is fine to come and cause division as long as it's something for the truth of his word. But on the other ones, you know, be, be careful on it. There's plenty to get us going in the area of racial stuff. Oh, I know, I know that and I know they can get us going. I, I, get in, I get irate at just the injustice. You can take the racial part of it out. I get uh, mad at the, the injustice that's going on. Now, I know much is being made over uh, what's going on with the, the uh, white police officer and the black uh, uh, person on the ground and other situations like that. But, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of videos that are floating around, too, that go the other way. Uh, a couple of youths went out there and just beat the tar out of a, of a white guy just because he was white. And he had bleeding on the brain. I didn't hear whether he died or not. That was just recent. And uh, some other ones that are, are like this. I saw the same kind of thing happen because uh, somebody uh, spoke up because the, the use that were involved cut in line. And um, we just, there, there's always stuff on, on, on all sides. But you know what? Just love people. Just, just love people. I sometimes have asked God this. I said, God, I don't... I look at some of the ugliness that goes on. How many have seen, we've seen some ugliness going on in the, in the world. And I look at that and I said, God, where did you see the beauty in humanity that you call us the pearl of great price? Where did you see that? Because I look out there, man, I don't, I don't see it. I don't think I would have given everything that I had. I think if I was God, and thank God I am not, if I was God, I just would have sent something and just obliterated the entire earth, just all gone. But God sees something beautiful in all of us. And he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Make sure in whatever issue that you have, that you never lose sight of the fact that God sees every single one of us as valuable. Every single one of us is worth something. And I'm careful about everyone I speak about. I don't want to put anybody down or, or just dismiss their, uh, their views by expressing mine. Again, I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it and surely hope to, to get better at it. But anyway, that's enough on that. You guys are our church family. We love you. We look forward to every time that we get together. My wife has a bigger family, but she doesn't get to see too many of them. 
um, things have gone on and issues have happened and families have, have been separated. She gets to see her, her mom and her brothers and, you know, maybe a handful of others, but that's about it. And um, for me, you know, my, my mom's still here. My dad's on with, with uh, the father. And uh, in fact, today was their anniversary. I got a brother. We we talk occasionally, not all that much. Uh, we we find time for each other occasionally. And I got two sisters who don't think that any of us are worth worth their time. So we don't see them. So when we tell you guys you're our family, <laughs> we we do mean that. And uh, and family is is important. Sunday after church, we get to spend it with a daughter and son-in-law. Boy, we enjoy that. That's, that's great family time. But we, we love the family time we get here, too. You guys are family for us, and every time we have an opportunity to get together with you, meet social, boy, we, love, we look forward to it. We love that. All right, let's get going on. We got some word to get in here. We were on the the um, parable of the sower. And as I was meditating, I, I was meditating on it uh, uh, too. But, you know, someone mentioned something to me. And I was listening to it in a, in a service, you know, because I listen to as many services as I can. And they said that they made this statement on the, I, I think he was speaking, referring to the, the parable in that. Um, but they made this statement that seeds have dominion over the soil. I thought, wait a minute. The way Jesus taught it, it seems like the soil has dominion over the seed, doesn't it? But he, I respect this person, a very, very well-respected uh, person on this, and and so I was, I was listening, I'm meditating on this. I said, well, what's what's it going to be? Does the seed have dominion over the soil, or does the soil have dominion over the seed? See, when Jesus gave the parable. He said, some fell on stony ground. What happened to the seed? Didn't the soil exercise dominion over the, over the seed? And the seed didn't come to be what it was? The, the one that had the thorns. The soil that had the thorns. Didn't the soil that had the thorns and the thistles exercise dominion over the seed? But he was, he was pointing this out. When a seed gets put into the ground, the seed makes demands on the soil as to what nutrients it needs and what it will take from the soil. And I thought, well, that's certainly true. But, you know, which one is it? Who's exercising dominion here? And so I wanted to, to check this out because we're on this, this topic of borders. God has given you a border, an area, that you are to have dominion over, that you are to, to take care of, and that you are a ministry that you are to, to do. The devil wants to get you isolated from certain parts of what you're supposed to do or fearful to get involved. Remember Israel? They, had, uh, they were given land, and, and certain ones didn't take the land. In fact, they were the intruders. 
the Canaanites actually had uh, more of the land than, than they did? They weren't, they weren't taking authority over their, their border areas. And if I don't understand this, I won't have the dominion in my border that I'm supposed to. Because the devil wants to get you to either be afraid to step out. He wants you to become separated. I don't care about that area of the soil. I don't care about that area of my domain. I don't care about that area that God has given me. Or, well, that area doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. That area doesn't help me and cause separation. Remember, Lot got separated from Abraham. We've talked about that in recent times. Uh, he felt like, well, I can, I can do this on my own. And so he allowed separation to go on. And the devil wants that to, to happen. He wants you to get separated. He wants you to feel that certain parts of your area are not important and just to, need to be ignored or that you're fearful to get into them. And he's going to keep you from doing what you want to do. And then we always want to be expanded. What happens is I've got this whole area border, but I'm over in this one little spot because this is the only thing I've conquered and it's the only thing I feel comfortable in. And I ask God, God, I need more room. And we want, we want the border to expand this way. But God's looking at it and says, I gave you all this over here. Go for it. Go get it. But I, I don't want to go out there. I want to go over here. <laughs> we want to expand it over in, in this way. Now, we don't uh, give God orders. We take orders. Now, last week we were looking at how the soil receives by hearing. So we sow by speaking. And we saw Jesus' words at the news of Lazarus when, when the illness, the news of his illness came. Lazarus is sick. Instead of having a words, words that spoke out of his emotion. I mean, you all know we can do this. We can speak out of our emotion. That's why a couple weeks ago we were over in First Kings to talk about that because emotions get a hold of us and we want to go after the emotions. He didn't do that. He spoke out of another area. And he said this. Well, actually, in verse 41, Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And so he spent time saying, well, what, what did he hear? What did he speak? And that was over in verse 4. When Jesus heard that, in other words, that, Jesus was, or that Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And as we were finishing up, we told you to you know, learn to have faith in your words. Don't just speak words that you don't mean. Don't let words come out of your mouth out of emotion. Well, I'm just an emotional person. That's why I... No, don't do that. Because you are going to uh, train yourself to not believe those words. You don't want to do that. You want to train yourself to believe those, those words. You want your flesh to realize it must listen to you. Wanted to, to, to learn that. Now, I don't know that the, the phones do it. I told you before, I had a Motorola phone, and Motorola phones would do this, that it, you would teach it your voice. And I could shout from across, or 99 shot, just talk from across the room and get my phone's attention, but if you tried to do it, it wouldn't work. Now, I've seen people have that little gizmo, the little Google thing that you put on your, and you can say, okay, Google, and just about anybody can say it. Anybody can say, okay, Google, and you can make it do any kind, anything you want. But I like that about that Motorola phone. You could say whatever the, my, my words were to, to activate it. You could say it all you wanted to. It says, I don't recognize that voice. See, that's where we have to get with, our, with ourselves. 
I recognize the voice of the Spirit, and I respond to that. But the voice of my flesh, no. This is where fasting and prayer comes in. Because through fasting, I begin to learn the voice of my flesh. And through prayer, I learn how to have supremacy over that voice. Because right now, for a lot of people, that voice of their flesh has supremacy over them. If I feel it, I say it. And that's not a good thing to be. So therefore, hear the parable of the sower, verse 18 of Matthew 13. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed of the stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now the word of God, I'm just going to read some verses here. For, I put the, the, the references for you in the, in the scriptures, or in the, in the outline. In the book of Genesis, it reads this way. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and, so, and it was so. If you plant a corn seed, does it have a chance of coming up peas? No. If you change the soil, if you mix up what soil you put in, can you put it in some, some different kind of soil and cause that corn to become peas? Cannot do it because it will duplicate itself. This is the concept that he put in here. This is what God has done. This is why evolution by any means is wrong because God said every kind produces after its own kind. So a cat may give birth to cats of different color and maybe some might be bigger or smaller, but they're always going to be cats. They will not give birth to a dog. Amen. And a dog will not give birth to an apple tree. It's not going to happen. Each one gives after its own kind. An apple, if you grab an apple and you take the seeds from it and plant it, it's going to become up an apple. If you were to do that, if you were to go out and get an apple and then get the seeds out of it and go and plant it, you'd see that tree come up. And if somebody came up to you and said, what kind of tree is that? What would you say? You would say it's an apple tree, but you have not seen any fruit on that apple tree. That apple tree has not borne a single bit of fruit. But you'll still call it an apple tree. How many years it takes for an apple tree to produce apples? I don't know. But for a number of years, until you see the first apple, you're going to be calling that what? You, no one has ever said, well, I'm not sure. I put apple seeds in there, but who knows what's going to come up? We don't, we don't do that. I know that it's going to be, be this. The same thing happens. This is the concept that God has put into the, into the Word. The sower sows the Word. How does he sow the Word? He speaks it. The hearer hears the Word, so he hears what is spoken. So the seed is the word that was spoken. So whatever seed 
which he's writing here in this parable and other places of Scripture, we're equating the seed to the word. Whatever seed I sow will produce after its kind. If I sow seeds from anger, what will I get back? If I sow seeds of discord, what will I get back? If I sow seeds of love, I'm going to get left. Whatever I sow is what I'm going to get back. That's why we got to be careful of what we sow. Remember the, the, the guy we looked at when we were over in First Kings? And he said, can this thing be if the windows of heaven were open? And what did the prophet Elisha say? Alright, you're going to hear about it, but you won't see it. Because he put some voc- vocals to it. You may feel some things, but don't say them. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's, it's better that way that you don't. Verse 21. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. Every winged bird produced what? After its kind. Verse 24. Then God said, Let the earth be, bring forth the living creature according to its kind cattle and the creeping thing and the beasts of the earth each according to its kind and it was so and God made the beasts of the earth according to its cattle uh, according to its kind cattle according to its kind everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind can you see a repetitive thing there this is just in the one chapter and God saw that it was good it is good to God that a thing produces after its kind that is a good thing to God If you're going to speak words of faith, you'll get back things of faith. If you speak words of doubt, what are you going to get back? You cannot sow apple seeds and get oranges. It won't happen. Now, the soil cannot influence what the seed is programmed to become. It can't corrupt it. But it seems that Jesus is teaching that it can corrupt its production if it matures or not. So the seed will become what it is programmed to become, but its production can be affected by the soil. The soil cannot change what it is. The soil cannot change what it the seed wants. But it can hinder its production. And you see that. Different plants, different seeds, will have different requirements. If you, um, uh, if, if you like blueberries, where's the best blueberries around here? New Jersey. Do you know why it is? It's the soil. They have a sandy soil. And blueberries apparently love a sandy soil. Not everything loves a sandy soil. If you go down into, into Jersey, there are some trees you won't see because they don't like sandy soil. But you'll see blueberries. And they'll plant them all over the place and they're growing to, growing to beat the band. Peaches. I don't like peaches, but I know some of you do. We've had discussions. I don't distance any of you because you like peaches. That'll make you stay away when you're bringing your peach milkshakes. <laughs> if you want to have peach milkshakes, you go right ahead. My granddaughter, she's a blessing. 
<laughs> but she, she's, trying, she's trying to get me the other, the other day. She's all, she is sweet. Even when she tries to get me, she's sweet. But um, we were all sitting down. We were having, having dinner at, the, at the, the table over at our house. And uh, the, uh, one of the things she loves to do, when she comes into our house, she goes beeline right on back, opens the back door, goes on out, on the steps. Nani has growing there mint. According to her, it's nymphed. Do not change her thinking on this. Mama is very much in love with nymphed. We're not, we're not letting that one go until it has to, absolutely has to. But anyway, she goes right out there and she starts pull, pulling some of the leaves because she likes mint in her tea. Because Nani likes mint in her tea. But Pup-Up despises mint. Dis- <laughs> I hate it with a passion. I love mint. But you put it in my, that tea... And I, I'm going to, I'll spit it in your face. Oh, why? <laughs> oh, I just, I don't like it. Just give me the tea. I don't want mint. I don't want peach. Just give me the tea. And so anyway, she, um, she was so, so tickled because she had the mint in tea. And she was sure I was going to get mint tea. And she just waiting. She, said, she didn't even give me any indication she was waiting. Usually she'll give me some indication that she's waiting on something. Didn't even give me any indication, just waiting and waiting. And I drank my whole glass of tea, and she's just smiling. And she said, Pop up, you want some more tea? And I said, No. Nani put mint in that one. And she goes, The mint, the mint was in yours. I said, No, Nani poured my, my glass out before the, the mint got in there. And she looked shocked. And so she took her mint leaf out of mine and put it in my cup. I said, It won't matter. So mine's all gone. <laughs> she was trying to get that, that into me. Trying to, to, to corrupt my tea. Now, what I see is corrupted tea you all might like. For some people, they see, they see something as bad. And other people will see it as good. How many of y'all folks like mint tea? How many? Appreciate both of you raising your hand. But, you know, there's all different ty- types of things that we like, we don't like, and uh, we just don't, you know, at my age, I just don't feel like I need to expand my diet. <laughs> my diet has been working just fine for me all these years, and uh, there's just really no reason for me to expand and to go in anything else. If you like that, great, eat it. Keep it away from me. That's, but, but still, when that seed is in the soil, it's going to pull on the soil what it specifically needs when you release words of faith it's going to go out and it's going to pull what it needs in order to become productive if I release words of doubt anger uh, whatever whatever other negative type things I, I put out there it's going to pull what it needs out of the, the soil that it's in it's going to find what it needs and it's going to pull that out why they have fertilizers. They'll have fertilizer. These are for vegetable plants. Or they might even get more specific and say these are fertilizers for tomatoes. And they're going to give you exactly what the tomato plant is looking for. Or the fertilizer for blueberries. Whatever it might be. But a good farmer knows what, the, what seeds the plant, what it needs, and he's going to make sure that the soil has the needs that that thing wants to, to glean from. It's going to find out whether that particular thing wants sun or whether it wants shade. 
There's like a wet soil, there's like a moist soil. None of them like dry, unless you get a cactus, but that's no real reason to plant that. So the seed will dominate the soil, extracting what it needs. But the soil can dominate the seed when the wrong things are brought in that can challenge it from reaching its potential. And so he gave us some things. Let's take a look at what he gave us here. You can write any of these things in that you want to. So these are according to Jesus. This is how the the condition is altered. Because in a good environment, the seed wins. In a bad one, the soil does. So here's a... Here's how you can alter the condition. First off, I put in there snatched. The, the birds came and they, they took away the, the seed. The person didn't apply themselves to understand or become offended or became offended at something in the truth or its presentation. You know, sometimes a truth can be presented to us and we get offended at how it was presented. You ever done that? Come on, I've done that. I don't like how he said that. I didn't like how she did that. And we can throw the whole thing out uh, just because of it. I had that with those folks who were out here for the end times class. I didn't like how a person in the, who wrote a book that I felt like I needed to get something out of, but man, he, just their presentation was irritating me. I remember if you were here in the end times class when I was talking about that, uh, it, was, it was good I stayed with it. I, I learned some things. I expanded, but it was tough because the presentation was not what I wanted. And you can get offended at the presentation and just throw the whole thing out. But don't become offended at that. This is what will happen here. When the birds came and they snatched it, they either became offended at the presentation, they became offended at the truth itself, they didn't understand it, they didn't apply themselves. How many of y'all have remember times, I heard something, I know that's truth, I don't understand it yet, and you applied yourself until you got it. And then when you got it, you didn't lose it. But see, some people, they just hear it. And they say, I don't, I don't know. Well, that's how they can be snatched. Second one is scorched. The person gave in to the persecution and tribulation and let the truth go. So they got a hold of a truth, but when they got that truth, it attracted attention. And people said, what do you mean doing on, what do you mean going over here? What about this? What about, mm-mm. Person gave in to persecution. Oh, I guess people don't want me to believe this. So I will let it go. And they were scorched. It had no root. They didn't stay with it very long. They didn't let the roots get down on the inside of them. And the third one was choked. The person allowed worries, cares, and the deceitfulness of riches to come in. But all of these, it's the person who allowed it. So that seed coming into me can put the demands that are necessary to, to grow into a a producing plant. Tree might be in the case or herb or whatever it might be. They might be able to to produce that. It will make a demand on the soil for what it needs to become fruitful. But if I allow it to be snatched, if I allow it to be scorched, or I allow it to be choked, that's not going to happen. But it's up to me to not let that happen. You see, when given the right environment, those seeds will dominate. But you've got to give them the right environment. And that part is up to you. Now let's go over to some other areas of Scripture. In 1 John 5 and verse 19, 1 John 
5 and verse 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The ESV puts it this way. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So one says sway, one says power, but you get the idea. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But it says that we are of God. Now, if we are of God, are we of the evil one? No. Because we are in the world, but we're not of it. But the world is is of it. The people that are in the world, they're of it. And they lie under the sway or under the power of the evil one. Don't mimic them. Don't follow in their examples. Because they are going to follow the example of their father, as Jesus put it, their father, the, the devil. Don't, don't go after them. Stay with the, stay with the right stuff. Now Romans 6.14 says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Sin's not supposed to have dominion over you. But how many of you know Christians that sin has had dominion over them? Now we all know unsaved people, sin has dominion over them. You just listen to the way they talk, the anger, the, the things that are... Sin has dominion over them. Whatever sin wants them to do, they do it. But it's not supposed to be that way with us. We're supposed to be resistant to this kind of thing. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So if you stay under grace, sin won't have dominion of you, over you, but if you go under the law, it sounds like it's gonna. But it's not supposed to. So just because God has established certain things, certain dominions, doesn't mean that it's going to happen. I've got to do some things to make sure that it does. So in the case with the parable, I've got to make sure that I keep the soil in a good condition to allow the seed to have dominion and dominate. Now, turn over, if you would, over to the book of Leviticus, chapter 26. Leviticus 26, we're going to read it, verse 13. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk upright. But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments and if you despise my statutes and if your soul abhors my judgment so that you do not perform all my commandments but you break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. So that would seem like they're sowing the seed, and all the conditions are good, and the seed produces good stuff, but the enemy comes in and, and steals it. We saw that in the book of Judges, back in the days of Gideon. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. Now, it don't take a whole lot of smarts to figure out that if people are going to reign over you who don't like you, who in fact hate you, it's not going to be good for you. We're not talking about born-again believers because born-again believers shouldn't have hate for anybody. We're talking about unsaved people who are willing to do whatever evil that they want to do and they hate you and they now have dominion over you. Now you just go back into the Bible, you go through the book of Judges, you go through the book of Kings, you go through the book of Chronicles and you will see cases where they did, didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't follow after the commandments of God. And their enemies came in who hated them and dominated them. And it wasn't good for them. 
So verse 18, And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. So as bad as it is to be under someone's domain who hates you, God says, I'll make it seven times worse. And I will break the pride of your power. Because the reason that you're not repenting yet is because of pride. Isn't that the reason most of us don't repent? Pride, I think my way is right. I want to do it this way. I like doing it this way. (laughs) I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. Doesn't sound like that's going to be very productive, does it? And your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. You're going to go out there and you're going to labor all day in the fields to get the seed to grow. And instead of growing and bringing you a harvest, the land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Then, if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. So here's what he's saying. I'm going to make it really bad for you. And if you don't repent, I'm going to increase it by seven times. And if you still don't repent and go back, I'm going to increase it seven times more. How many know it's better just to do what God says to do? Just give it up. And whatever God wants you to do, God, if that's what you want me to do, that's how you want me to behave, that's how you want me to talk, that's what I'm going to do. We're just going to go with it the way that you want. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, and make you few in number. And your highways shall be desolate. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you, and I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword against you. They will execute the vengeance of the covenant, which you are gathered together within your cities. I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your, your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. And after all this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. So you can see the theme there. Listen, or it's going to get seven times worse. Then it's going to get seven times worse. Then it's going to get seven times worse. And then I'll increase it another seven times. So, I mean, God's not messing around. Sometimes we we want to execute a punishment on someone, and we up it a little bit, right? Because we want to have room to be able to grow in this area, make it worse. So we up it a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more. And God says, eh, forget that. <laughs> After I've made it bad for you, I'm going to increase it seven times bad. And don't think that's the limit, because I can increase it seven times more. And don't think that's the limit, because I can increase it again seven times more. And then I'll just kick you out. <laughs> Nehemiah 9, verse 28. But after, we're going to go actually go 28 to 31, right? Didn't meant to, made to, meant to make that change. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. So when they repented, 
God, according to His mercies, delivered them and testified against them that ye might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit in your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands, nevertheless in your great mercy. You did not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. As bad as a God, God did not forsake them. He still was ready there with mercy. And if God was willing to do that with as bad as Israel was, how much more is He willing to do that for us? He is there with mercy. But you, if you keep going with the pride, no, this is the way that it should be. No, I don't like this, what so was done. No, this is that. And we keep insisting on our way. And God's trying to sit there and say, quit it, knock it off, go this way. No, I'm going this way. This is what I want to do. If we don't let go of our pride, His mercy cannot come to us. Dear Lord, we need His mercy. We want to make sure that we we stay walking in the things of, of mercy. If not, if we don't do these things, we will be dominated. We're supposed to dominate. We are given an area. Here's God says, here's your borders. He says, Steve, this is where your borders are. He'll tell him, Matt, Matt, your borders are over here. He'll tell Vanessa, your borders are Each of our borders are different. The areas where we minister, the areas where we have influence, it's all different. We have different borders. We have different callings. I'm supposed to step out into this area or in this area, but not over here in this area. Someone else is supposed to step out into that area. But I'm supposed to dominate in those areas instead of be dom- being dominated. In Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. If you are going to be a part of any organization that does not believe that man was created male and female, you are going against God. Well, I don't want to make waves and stand up for that. But you see, Jesus came to bring a sword. He knows that his truth is going to divide. It's going to divide people. I put up a more humorous thing up on Facebook about a number of weeks ago. It's one of those ones. I had a picture of uh, who's the who's the Raiders guy. Oh, I can't. The Raiders of the Lost Ark guy. Who's the who's the, the who's the who's the the main character in it? Can't think of his name now. The name in the movie. I can't think of his name. Indiana Jones. There we go. Indiana Jones is out there, and I had a picture of Indiana Jones because you know it's his his field, and it says, "Isn't it amazing?" How when they discover the bones of humans, they are either male or female. <laughs> I mean, that is just wisdom and simplicity right there. We don't have a hundred different uh, transgenders, gender this, whatever it is. There's either male or they're female. That's it, because that's how God created them. Now look at what he says here. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, He created Him. Male and female, He created them. Understand this about God. This is taught very back in the, in the beginning. God is not a woman. He is also not a man. God is male and female. 
We do not have any being on this earth like that. Not a human. When God created Adam, He created him in the image of God, which was male and female. At which point He said He needs to have a helpmate. So He had a deep sleep come upon Adam. And everybody always saying, you know, he took a rib out of, he did not take a rib out of Adam. He took what is, what is actually translated more a cavern or a part of his being. And from it, he crafted the woman. What he did was he took what was created in the image of God, Adam, male and female, just like God, neither having male nor female, just, just like God, male and female was he. Let me read that verse to you again. Created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created what? Him. Male and female, he created them. Can he say it any plainer than that? When he created Adam, he created him in the image of God. Male and female. But then, when he needed a helper, he went to the to Adam and he extracted the part of him that was female and created a separate being that was called woman. So now Adam is no longer the image of God. Not the exact image of God. Because part of him has been taken out and made into the woman. And so when marriage comes along and the two people become married, the whole purpose is they come together to bring the male and the female together. One is not more godlike than the other. You need both parts in order to have all of God. Does that make sense? So when you see these places that are perverting the male and the female, they're perverting the image of God. And God's not very happy with that. Then God blessed them and said to them, so when He's dealing with just Adam, it's Him. But after He created them, now he's doing with both of them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves where? When he created them, he did not give them dominion over the garden. He gave them dominion over the earth. How many of you all thought that he was? they were given dominion over the garden? Now, they were supposed to keep the garden, but they had dominion over the earth. The whole earth. How are two people supposed to have dominion over the whole earth? I don't know, but he gave it to them. He told them to multiply, fill it. Fill it up. People are saying, got too many people on the earth. They don't understand God. God said, fill it. It's not full yet. There's still place, many places that are empty. So what's God say? Fill it. Apparently this earth can handle a whole lot more. Who are the people that are saying that this earth can't handle anymore? Unsaved people who don't believe in the Word of God. Let's go on here. Psalms chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens. There's a verse I want to get to this later on, but... I didn't want you to see the whole context here. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies. 
that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Oh, we all know that verse, don't we? What is man that you are mindful of him? How in the world do we even rate on the scale? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the, the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He made you to have dominion over the works of his hands or what he made. He made you to have dominion over what he made. But we're not walking in that dominion, are we? Now, Paul talks about other dominions. Jesus was set over these ones that Paul talks about it back in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. So if there are other dominions, could I not be dominated by a lesser dominion? We certainly could. i got another verse here to read for you. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What is it that the tongue does that brings death or life? It speaks. It speaks words. You either speak words of faith or you speak words of doubt. You speak words of love or you speak words of anger and hate. But you see, your, the power of death and life is in your tongue. Be careful with the words that you speak. Don't just open up and start saying some stuff. Think about it. Ponder it. Is this, is this what you, God, is this what you want me to say? You know, sometimes we get up there on Facebook and we hear somebody say something and we just want to reply. Or a lot of times I sit on back and says, God, do you want me to reply? Most of the time it comes back, no. I just, I let more stuff go. I just look at it and say, well, we're just going on. Don't need to, don't, because I want to make sure I'm, I'm nowhere near Jesus' level. Please don't, don't confuse this. Jesus said He only says what He hears the Father say. Man, I'm not that, at that level. I'm trying. That's where I want to get to. I want to be at that level. But nothing I say is only, whatever I op- open my mouth and say something, it's only what the Father has said. But I try and stay in the area of being careful. Because I don't want to speak those things, especially don't, don't speak stuff and attribute it to God. I had this written down in some, some um, notes for kind of pondering later on. But um, I heard, heard uh, listening to somebody this week and he made this statement. He said, don't ever go to God speaking the words of the devil. Now that sounds, sounds right, right? We can, we can agree with that. But we've done it. Now, Peter did it, and he got rebuked. But didn't the disciples do the same thing when they came into the boat? 
Master, don't you care that we are perishing? Where'd they get those words from? They didn't get them from God. Where'd they get them from? There's a whole lot of times we go before God in prayer speaking the words of the devil. Has the devil ever said something to you like, well, you're not going to survive this one. Well, this will never happen. Have we ever gone to God and said, God, I don't think this is ever going to happen. What are we doing? Am I not repeating the words of the devil? The devil has plans for your life. He shares them with you. (laughs) How many times have we gone in prayer and said the words of the devil? Well, Father, I feel like I'm going to fail. I feel like this is just not going going to work. Am I not repeating the words of the devil to my father? Hey, don't be doing it. You don't need to do it. The devil said it. It's more than likely a complete lie or fabrication of truth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now other things will try and creep in to compromise your walk. They're going to try and, and corrupt that soil so that it hinders the production of the seed. They're even going to try and elevate themselves over your God. But you think that they're stronger, they're bigger than your God. We can be deceived to think that our passions that we have is from Him or for Him, but its roots may well be elsewhere. i got to make sure. Now, fasting and prayer will help you learn the voice of your flesh and dominate it through your reborn spirit because your direction will come from it. Your direction in life will come from your spirit. And if you cannot differentiate between the voice of your spirit and the voice of your flesh, then you will be led down paths that you think are God and it's the devil. You will absorb words that you think are God's and they are the devil's. And you will repeat them. And you even speak them back to God. And, un- and not understand why God is not having more favor for you. Galatians 5 verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'll tell you what, I can get some passions and some desires going on the inside of me. That are not what I should be having. And if I am truly Christ, I have crucified those things. I have knocked them out. Yeah, but I have a right. Nope. I lost all rights when I accepted Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you flip that verse around, it means if I hang on to my own passions and desires, I am not Christ's. Isn't that what that's saying if you flip that verse around? That's why it's so important, folks. Get rid of those passions and desires that are not of God. Dump them. Let no one say when he is tempted. James 1.13 Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is what? 
drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So, if I get rid of those passions and desires, I'm not drawn away. And I follow after the things of God. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You see, because this is what the devil wants to do. He wants to get you ignited in passions that are not God's, frame them in such a way that they, they look right, get you to speak words from that passion, not God's passion, not God's word. And he knows when those things come to fruition, when they come to a harvest, what will they bring? Yeah, death, nothing good. It's going to affect my life negatively. That's why you got to get them out. I come to God and I talk to God in prayer and say, Father God, help me extract all the type of desires that are not yours. Help me get them out of my life. I just want to be ignited by those things that you're ignited by. Jesus is our best example for that. There are a lot of things going on in the world. He didn't seem to get pulled from it. How many of y'all believe that God is against adultery? How many believe that? God is against adultery. Does not like that kind of stuff at all. So how would you, if God is against adultery, and he said so in his word, how is it that Jesus, when he is confronted with an adulteress, is very nice to her? He's very kind to her, isn't he? How many, how many of you think that the passion of Jesus ought to be stirred up and he ought to be, woman? <laughs> but he doesn't do that. Woman, where are your... Where are those who condemn you? They've gone. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, sometimes what we think is the passions of God. We're missing it. We're, we're, we put our own passions in there. And because of it, Satan is able to stir us up and get us to do things, get us to say things, get us to walk away. And sin is the result. When desire has... Con- has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. We've got to bring our own desires under the control of our spirit. Now, last week we gave you the assignment. I only heard from a handful of you. Something in your life that you can speak to. How many got something over this week? You found something that you're speaking. How many? Raise your hand up. I want to see how many got something that you're speaking to. All right. We got something out there that we're speaking to. There are passions on the inside of you that when the devil comes and he tries to wake those things up will produce fear. They'll produce doubt. You're confessing this. You're speaking this. You're putting those seeds out there. But the enemy is going to try and, and put the worries, the cares, the thorns. He's going to try and put them in your life. He's going to try and get the persecutions to come so you don't, don't let the roots get down real deep. Because if those roots get down deep, you've gotten past the second phase. We can't be having that. He's going to try and get you so distracted that you can't go out there and, and apply yourself to it and gain understanding on that word that he shared with you. And that word can be stolen from you. Snatched. But you see, you've got to stay with it. When God has spoken something to you, either He spoke it to you in His Word, just the general promise that's in there, or it's something specific He spoke to you. 
Just know, if you begin to speak it out, you begin to sow the seeds, I believe, then you say what God said. You speak that thing. Just know that's going to attract some attention. And the enemy is going to come and he's going to try and stir up some passions. Let's just say that you were, you have a word from God about something in your body. The doctor told you it's terminal. I'm not saying anybody here is terminal. I'm just saying we can use this as an example. And you begin to speak the things of God's word towards it. He's going to try and ignite your passions by saying, look at all that you have to live for. Look at all these things that are around. You're going to lose all these things. They're all going to go away. Oh, man. What's so-and-so going to do when you're, when you're gone? What are your kids going to do when you're gone? What is so-and-so going to do when you're not here anymore? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can See, he's trying to ignite the passion to get this, the seed to have to compete with worries and cares. That's what he's going to try and do. Don't do it. Don't even take it to God in prayer. Because don't, I love those words, don't repeat to God the words of the devil. Don't go to God and say, God, what am I going to do if, if I die? This is what's going to happen. Don't repeat in his words. Father God, I thank you that I shall live and not die. I thank you that there's power in the words to speak that our life and power in words to speak death. But I choose the side of life. You begin to speak out. If you're going around and you're saying stuff, I'm so depressed. Oh, I'm so down. Well, no wonder you have that. You're going out there and you say, thank God I am full of life. But I'm not full of life. I feel terrible. Go back into the book of Genesis that we were in. When God came upon the earth, what did he find on the earth? When he first came upon the earth after the, the wor- world was judged in the first day of creation, as it's called. It's not actually the first day of creation. On the first day, he came down and he saw darkness. Didn't he? There is darkness on the face of the earth. And so what does he say in the darkness? Let there be light. When there is an abundance of darkness and a lack of light, he says, let there be light. Doesn't he? When he comes down on the earth and he sees an abundance of water and a lack of land, what does he say? Let the land and water separate. And you go through each one of those days and he is speaking to what is lacking by calling what he wants. When Jesus said, and Jesus said, let there be light. And then what was the next part? And there was light. Now let me take you to the next part after this. And he saw that it was good. Go back through and look at each one of those days. He said it became and he saw. But he didn't see until he said. 
If God doesn't see it until He says it, how in the world are we going to do it? You got to speak to those situations. If your situation is going down bad, it's because you're probably speaking negative to it. No, I'm not. I have a good confession. Well, in front of people. But then you get alone, start worrying and fussing, proclaiming what's going to happen when the worst happens. Don't be doing it. Get those desires of yours under control. You can do it. I know you can because God says you can. If God says you can, you can. Just take that one verse of Scripture. God, you said I need to get my passions and desires under control. If you said for me to do it, that means I'm empowered to do it. I can get it done. And these passions and desires do not have to keep pulling me down into the area of sin, doubts, fear, worry, whatever else it might be. And my soil can remain intact so that the seeds that I sow that are good seeds will reap a harvest of some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. They will bring they will bring a harvest. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you have a great love for us. May We may be able to look back on our life maybe in the years in the past, maybe in the months in the past, maybe even in the weeks in the past and say, oh, my passions, my desires have got me in trouble. I've spoken words. I've said things. I've spoken words that lead to death, not words that lead to life. Father, we can repent and you receive that repentance and your mercies are great. If we will release the pride that holds us into that lifestyle, then that, that mercy of yours can come upon our life and restore all those things that were taken from us and bring us back to a place of dominion. For you called us to have dominion, to have dominion over ourselves, to have dominion over the, all of God's creations. I thank you, Father. Oh, I thank you for the good things that you put in our life. I thank you for the seeds that we have spoken that are good seeds that are bringing out a good harvest. We receive that harvest. Thank you, Father God. Glory be to your name. Glory be to your name. This week, we gave you that assignment. Some of you who are out there speaking on some things. How many of you, just every head bowed, nobody looking around. How many of you here and say, I've changed the way I'm speaking about a thing and I can already sense a difference in me? Raise your hand. Change the way I'm speaking about a thing and I can already see a difference in me. Attitude, results, whatever it might be. Don't let it go. Just remember, this is not something that you try out. We don't test drive the walk of faith. We commit to it. This is just how it is. This is just how I go. For some of us, the enemy has had a field day. He can get our wrong passions ignited easily. 
Don't stay that way. Don't stay that way. Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you're growing us up. Things that have hindered us in the past, the devil has wanted to sift us. He's wanted to separate us from those things that you gave us to strengthen us. But he will not be successful because we love you too much. Thank you for the way that you're working on us, bringing us to that place of perfection. And through fasting and prayer, we can begin to discern the difference between the voice of our spirit and the voice of our flesh. And all oh, how that helps us in our confidence. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.